Like, anyone else fired up or just me today? Like, like God has given me a front row seat to him building and proclaiming his glory through you. And it's incredible. And we've often used that metaphor of like battleship versus a cruise ship. Way too often we approach church as a cruise ship. And God's like, that's not what I got. My family's on a battleship. And so thank you for being you. And, and so I, I'm fired up. And I think I say that most Sundays. And so you're like probably used to it by now. But this morning was rough. Anyone else? Like it was a tough morning. It did not go the way that it was supposed to. But then at some point, like God reminds me to look up and not out. I look out, I'm overwhelmed by the chaos. I look up and I'm like, God is good all the time. And come on church, preach. Like we gather to testify of his glory, to receive it and to be conduits of it to others. And so today is Vision Sunday. And on some level, you might be like, Drew, isn't every Sunday Vision Sunday? Yes, like a vintage grace is, because our vision is that we want to go deeper in our one, deepening relationship with God, that we want to live as a communitas, life-changing relationships with each other, and we want to be sent to be the living proof of a loving God. And so literally, nine years now, we're eight, almost nine years old as a church, for nine years, I have preached the same sermon, it feels like, every single first Sunday of the year in January. It's a new year, but it's the same vision. I feel like I say that over and over and over again, you're like, Drew, again, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Like, I'm not sorry at all. Because my heart for you as your pastor is simply this, that 2023 would be an incredible year. Do you want that? Like, that's why you're here, right? Otherwise, you'd be sleeping, I think. Like, my heart for you is that 23 is the best year yet. That's only going to happen if we faithfully follow our rabbi. Now, again, on the screen, again, I want you to notice, it says your are a little confused. Last week in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus kept saying, your father, your father, your father, until he got to the Lord's Prayer, right? And then he said what? Our father. Like as a communitas, our unity is that we have a common master, that he is our father, that we're in this journey together. And the journey that you and I are all on every year, whether it's the new year or the old year, every year it's simply this, to invite other people into that journey with Jesus. And that starts church with prayer. It starts with waking up every morning and saying, God, what are you inviting me into? It starts our week on Sunday morning, coming to church, even when the power's out, even when the trees are down, even when there's literal or metaphorical storms. The storms are not the source of our joy, Jesus is. Amen? And remember, if you're new here, amen just simply means, pastor, I'm not asleep, or hopefully it means, I agree, pastor. That's what amen means in the Bible, literally. And so here's our hope for you in 2023, that you'd start this year with prayer. That's our, our prayer campaign that we're in the middle of, that that wouldn't stop, that, that would lead us to unity in Christ, and then that we, church, would be ready for action, because God is on the move. He is doing incredible things incredible things. And I just feel like I get the front row seat of this battleship. Now, again, this last month, you've heard as we've walked through Zechariah, the spirit put on my heart to remind us as a people that it is not by our power, by our strength, but only by what? The spirit, says the Lord. But he's doing something to you and through you. And I, as your pastor, get a front row seat. And it's incredible. It is so stinking fun, still hard. But what's so fun is that we know the final score. We already know that we win, so we get to gather this year going, 2023 is gonna be awesome because God is here. Because he goes before us, because he's the Alpha and the Omega, because he's already in the future, because he created the future, and now he invites us to be a part of his movement. So the spirit is moving, lives are being eternally changed, and so I am fired up for this year. And so as we start this year, new year, same vision, here continues to be the focus. Why do we keep doing this? Because if we don't stay focused on our why, we will lose our way. Have you heard of Southwest Airlines, anybody? 
Like I legitimately canceled my trip to Utah last week because I was like, forget it. I don't want the stress. Because if you lose your why, you lose your way. Now, I do not know anything. Southwest has not called me for leadership coaching. They've not said, Drew, help us out. But I have read a ton of leadership journals on Southwest. And there's going to be a ton more that are coming. And my understanding, which is limited, I don't know most things. I don't know the inside. But my understanding is on some level, they lost their why, which was people. We just they lost their way. It became profits. They, they forgot the processes matter. They literally misplaced their people. <laughs> I'm not laughing. And I'll probably still shop with them. In fact, I have a trip with them in a couple of weeks. I'm an eternal optimist. I'm, I'm hopeful. But if you lose your why, you lose your way. And guess what? That comes at a big cost to the people around you. You know what I'm saying? Like it affects people in ways that might not just be for today, but it might be for an eternity of tomorrows. And so church, why does Vision Sunday happen every single year? Why is it the same sermon every single Sunday? Why? Because we want to stay focused on our why. Our why church is the glory of God. Somebody say amen. It's not just our joy in Jesus. That, that, that's how we experience and express the glory of God. But the why is the glory of God and the spirit of God is here and he is moving. And so I'm just fired up for 2023. I'm fired up for what he's gonna do. I don't actually know what he's gonna do. I don't know what the future holds. I just know who holds the future and that changes everything. And so 2023, I am beyond excited. Guess what? We have the same vision statement as 2022. And every year before, our vision as a church is to build joy-filled communities of faith. That's plural on purpose. There's a corporate part of our vision, building, church planting, multiplying disciple makers. And then there's a personal side of our vision. The corporate side is we want to build joy-filled communities of faith, plural. The personal side is that all those communities of faith, their very presence is the gathering of joy-filled what? Individuals. You can't have a joy-filled community unless it's made up of joy-filled individuals. And so our vision statement is to build joy-filled communities of faith whose very existence, the church's existence, inspires the people to live the abundant Christian life. Does anyone want more joy in 2023? If you're not raising your hand, you have issues. Put that on your connect card. I have issues. <laughs> like, that's why you're here. It's what I want for you as your pastor, that you'd find more joy this year than you did last year. But it's only going to happen if you have a relational God with a relational people and are sent to be relationships to other people. We call that R-cubed. Our cubed is our vision statement, deepening with God, life changing with other believers, engaging with the yet to believe. A disciple doesn't live one of those three relationships. He or she lives all three. The disciples found in the center of that, and that's why we call it our cubed. It's what I want for you. I want that for you. I want you to have more joy in Jesus. I want you to have a people that are with you in the storms, literally and metaphorically. I want you to understand that your call in life is son or daughter of the king, and then it's sent one. It's son, and then it's sent. Is that new news to anyone, Vintage Grace? It's only new news if you're a guest here. Otherwise, you hear this every single Sunday, and I'm not sorry about it. It's Jesus's message. He gave us the great commandment. He gave us the great commission. And so this morning, as I was praying leading up to Vision Sunday, I said, God, what text do you want? Because I preach the same sermon every Sunday. So like, what text is going to say the same thing? And I really thought the Lord was leading me to John 15. Why? Because last words are lasting. You know that, right? Like when you talk to someone before they pass on, before they pass away, last words are lasting. Some of Jesus' last words were in the upper room with his disciples. And he gathers them, and his last words, guess what they were all about? Our cubed. Why? Because our cubed, I hope you guys understand, like, I am not that strategic. I just read the book and tell you what it says. That's it. 
our cube comes straight from Jesus. John chapter 15, I wanna encourage you to read it. We're not gonna be there today, so you're gonna be there hopefully tonight on your own in your own study, but guess what Jesus talks about at the end of his life? I want that for you. I want you to have our cube. John 15, one through 11, I want you to have more joy in Jesus. I want you to have more joy in my Father. I want your joy to be complete is what Jesus tells his disciples. I want your joy in 1511 to be full, to be complete. It doesn't mean that the gaps aren't gonna be there. It means that Jesus is gonna be with you in the gaps. And I want that joy of our one intimacy to lead to fruit that you get to share together as family. Church, we were not designed to be alone. We were given the grace of God not to possess it, but to express it. We were given the grace of God to possess it. That's what he says in verses 12 through 17, to possess the glory of God, but then express it, to profess it, to share it. Church, I don't know about you, but you do recognize you are all a part of the choir at Vintage Grace, right? Like I've joked, once you walk through those, I didn't sign up for that, Drew. No, you did. You came here and we said, we set the rules before you came. We said, anyone that walks in those doors, you are the choir. We don't just get the glory of God. We get to express, we get to sing it to each other. And I had a rough morning and I got to hear the glory of God through your voices. Thank you, church. We need our two. Jesus knew that. We need communitas. And then finally, our three. He doesn't just save you. He saves you to send you. He sends you into the world to fight for them, to love them. That's what he says in John 15, verses 18 through 27. So that's not the sermon I'm gonna preach because God told me something different. He said, actually, I want you to zero in on my heart and my prayer life. That's where we started the year last year, remember? We started with how does Jesus teach us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? In the same way, you wanna know what people really, really care about? Try to eavesdrop on their prayer life. It's super awkward, by the way. But if you could just reflect on your own prayer life, that's how it's gonna reveal what sits on the throne of your heart. Go pay attention to how you spend your time, your treasure, and how you spend your time in your prayer closet. That's how you know what sits on the throne of your heart because that's who you care about. And so at the end of Jesus' life, John 17, I've always wondered, how does John know what Jesus prays in the high priestly prayer? Does Jesus tell him? Maybe. Does John eavesdrop? Maybe. I don't know. But somehow John knows what's happening because he records it for us in chapter 17. And that's what I want to look at today. In John 17, there's three parts of Jesus' prayer. Guess what they're all about? are cubed. Why? Because again, I don't make that up. That comes straight from the text. It's all about our cubed and living that vision. So our one, Jesus wants this for you. He wants you to have the glory of God and experience that. And so he starts verses one through five. In chapter 17, verses six through 19, he goes on. He says, I want you to be a part of a communitas. He says, God, make them one, give them intimacy. And then he goes on, and the third part of his prayer we're gonna focus in on today, I want them to be committed together, but then also living scattered on mission. And that's what we're gonna zoom in on today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 17. We're gonna start in verse 20. Now, again, we're covering two chapters today. Next week, we'll be in Romans chapter four, and we'll just cover eight verses. I'll go much slower. But for today, I'm gonna talk really fast. You good with it? We'll do it anyways. John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. I, Jesus, praying the high priestly prayer, talking to the Father at the end of his physical life, I, Jesus, do not ask for these only, this church only, but also for those who will believe in me throughout their word, that they might be one just as you, Father, are in me and that I am in you and that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me, that I have given to them as the early church, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also 
with whom you have given me might be with me that where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I may know unto them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me might be in them and I in them. Spirit of God, would you speak to us? We know you are here. We know that you prompted and led the Son and glorify the Father. And so would you do that to us right now as we surrender this space for your glory and our good, would you speak? And everybody said, amen. Here's where Jesus goes. In verse 20, he's doing his high priestly prayer. He's, he's talked about R1, the glory priority. He's talked about R2 to make them one. And then he gets to R3, the why behind the what. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. Now, we talk a lot about Vintage Grace, about authors intent, logic, and flow. This book was not written to you. It's for you, but it's written to somebody else. John wrote the gospels for the early church to have an account of who Jesus was so they might have certainty in Jesus. They might live out their faith. Now, one of the things that's often is we, we read the Bible and we put ourselves in the story. And most of the time as your pastor, I say, don't do that. Don't do that. Start in their town and later, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, apply it to your town. Here's what I love because your name's not often on the words of the Bible. And yet in this verse, you kind of are. I'm not trying to like be counterproductive and, and, and contradict everything I've said before, but pay attention to what Jesus says. He's praying to the Father. He's talking about the early church, that they would have the glory priority R1, that they would live together as family R2, and then they would be sent ones. Who are they sent to? They're sent to the yet-to-believe world. Here's what Jesus says. God, I don't just pray that they would have your glory. I don't just pray that they would be one as a church. I pray, look what he says. I do not ask only for the early church. Think vintage grace. I don't ask only for vintage grace, but also for those who in the future will believe in me. Who in the future from the first century church ends up believing in Jesus, say 2,023 years later? Me! Like that's you. You today at vintage grace are an answer to this prayer. How cool is that? That Jesus prays that in the future, people would come to faith because of someone else that led them there. Remember, nobody ever finds Jesus. They're introduced to him by a friend. That's really important. No one ever finds him because he's not playing hide and go seek. But he doesn't force himself upon you and you get introduced to him by a friend. That's what we see all throughout the text and through our lives. And yet here's what Jesus says. There's going to be people in the future, let's call them vintage grace, that are going to come to faith. Why? Those who will believe in me through the word of other people who do believe in me. And here's Jesus' prayer for the new church, for the existing church, for the early church. Here's his prayer that they would all be one just as you, Father, are in me and just as I am in you. Here's his prayer for the church that we would be unified, that we would experience the unity. Now, how does he reference unity? He says, I want to give the church the same unity that I have with the Father. Think about that for a moment. How intense is that unity? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus does nothing except for what the Father tells him to do. They are one. Those two little words make a big difference. One and in. He says, I want the church to have the relational unity that you and I have. He says this, I want that intimacy then to lead to unity. Where you aim and what you shoot for will determine who you live with and who you live for. And so if our target, if our focus is living our cube, if it's the focus of the glory of God, if it's the focus of his people, then that's going to change because we're all aiming at the same target and what we're aiming at will ultimately shape us. When we use that word communitas, it has two definitions. The first one is a common what? Anybody know? Master. Now again, if you're a guest with us today, I always try to put the answers on the screen in yellow, Okay. Communitas means two things. The first one is a common master. 
That we together gather on some level to say, he sits on the throne of our heart. You ever thought about that? Like, what sits on the throne of Jesus' heart? Well, look at his prayer life, the Father. The glory priority of our one. And then the people of God, and he says, I want them to be one. I want them to experience the intimacy, Father, that you and I have. It will change their life. And that unity, he says, in verse 20 into 21, will actually change other people's lives. That they may be one, the church, just as you, Father, and me, and that I am in you, so that they may also be in us. That's the invitation from Jesus for you in 2023. The invitation from Jesus is that you would have the intimacy with the Father that he does. Does that blow anybody else's mind right now? Like he came to bring us back to the garden to give us intimacy with the Father, not only for us, but also so that the world would believe that you have sent me. See, communitas is a common master and a common what? Mission. It's not either or, it's both and. We're communitas. We are not gathered together as family because we have the same name, or because we have the same blood. We're gathered together as family because we're defined by his blood, not by ours. We're gathered together as family because the most important name on our spiritual jerseys is the name on the front, not the name on the back. His name is Jesus. He's made a way. He's given us an extension to the Father's glory. And he says this, I want you to live in such a way with a common master and a common mission that you will be sent by the Father in Christ, unified by the gospel, and you will be sent to a world that is looking for joy in all the wrong places. May they see your joy in me, Jesus says, and may you extend that to others. Verse 22, here's what he says. He says, the glory of God is a unifying gift. The glory that you have given me, this is Jesus talking to the Father. The glory you've given me, Father, I have given to them, the church, that they might be one even as you and I are one, I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly what? One. Church, here's my prayer for us in 2023, that our focus as a communitas would be laser focused on the glory of God, on the good of his people, and on the yet to believe world. That nothing else matters. That God's glory unifies us. It allows us to come together on Sunday mornings and celebrate. Have you ever noticed that celebration is not a solo sport? Have you ever gone to a party just for you, yourself, and I? The problem is some of you have. And you should repent over that. Celebration is always better experienced together. We celebrate the glory of God. Sunday mornings are a celebration of the glory of God, that we were dead in our sin, but God makes us alive. That's what makes us happy, church. And so on Sundays, we gather, and it's like a family reunion. That's what I feel like on Sundays. It's like a family reunion of dead men walking, defined by his blood, resurrected to new life in Christ, in the Father. And the glory of God was given to Jesus, and Jesus gives it to you. That's crazy. God's glory is given to you, and it gives us this unifying effect. Now, I've noticed something in my life on earth. One of those is simply this. When there's a limited commodity, you know what people do to attain it? They fight for it. Have you ever noticed that? You ever gone out on Black Friday? It's hysterical. I was not in the airport, but let's say they made over the, the PA announcement to Southwest passengers. Hey, there's only three flights left. There's only three seats. Guess what people would do? Fight for it. Guys, there is no limited commodity to the glory of God, amen? It's limitless. It's given to you. And it's not something you have to fight for. It's something that he already fought for. He purchased for you. He's come and he's overcome. And so today, church, we gather as, as a family coming together. Some of y'all avoided family at Christmas. Anyone need to repent and just raise their hand? Like, like you're like, I don't want to be a part of family. I hope Sunday mornings don't ever feel like that. 
Like Sunday morning for me are this family reunion. We come together, we remember the gospel. We remember the good news. We remember that the glory of God was given to us as a gift. We will never earn it. We do not deserve it, but Jesus gives us the grace and the glory of God. That's what we see in the text here. And so Jesus is praying this for you. He's praying that you would be unified by the glory of God, that this is his plan to make his glory known to everybody, that you would be in him, that he would be in you, that we would be perfectly one, that nothing else would matter. The text goes on. Why does he do this? So that the world would know. So the world would know how good Jesus is. So the world would know how good our God is that the Father is with you, that he is for you. Jesus says this, so that the world will know that you, Father, have sent me and you loved them, the world, even as you have loved me. Can we just pause for a moment? Jesus prayed that we would be loved by God in the same way that he was loved by God. Again, does this blow anybody else's brain or just my little brain cells? So often, I don't know about you, like I have prayer warriors in my life and I love them and I'm so thankful for them. They often pray for me in ways that I don't know. You know who your prayer warriors are? The Spirit of God and Jesus himself. Jesus is praying for you right now. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you that you would know that you are loved by the Father. Someone needed to hear that this morning. By someone, I mean everyone. Every one of us this morning needs to remember that we are already loved by God, that we're not striving to be loved, that it's already real right now in this moment that God loves you with a perfect love, which is unlike the rest of the world. But he loves you as you are and where you are, but God loves you so much to not leave you there, Tim Keller says. I love that text. God loves you as you are where you are. Can everyone take a deep breath? I don't have to achieve God's love. I don't have to earn God's love. He already loves you, but he loves you so much to not leave you in your mess. That's probably why you're at church today. That's why I'm here. I hope that's why we're here as a communitas with a common master and a common mission. And it is to receive the love of God that we, Jesus was sent by the Father to the people who were lost. Well, who was lost in this room? At one point, I was. Anybody else? Lost people matter most. Because we're lost, we're sheep without a shepherd, but God being rich in mercy and abounding in steadfast love, he sent his shepherd for you, the good shepherd, to find you in your lostness and make a way back to the Father. This is the gospel. Here's my prayer for you for 2023. Verse 24 goes on, it says this, Father, I desire, this is Jesus the Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me might be with me where I am to see my glory. When we say there's more joy in Jesus, what we're saying is the gaps are a part of life, but if Jesus is with me, I'm in a good spot, amen? It's not that the gaps go away. He says, I just want them to be with me. That's what we mean when we say there's more joy in Jesus. God's glory is the priority, but God is glorified most by us enjoying him. In fact, that's actually our mission statement if you look on our website. Our vision statement is what I quoted this morning earlier. Our vision is to build joyful communities of faith. Our mission is just simply to enjoy God, to rest, to receive the gift of God's grace and of his glory, that we would be with him, Jesus says, to see my glory that you have given me before because you loved me before the foundation of the world. I don't know about you, but as you look back on 2022, have you seen glimmers of God's glory? If you haven't seen glimmers of God's glory last year, that's just because you were too busy to look because it was there everywhere. In fact, I want to just cause you right now and ask you, would you just pause for a moment to remember God's glory in 2022? Where did you see him? Like on some level, I pray it was at church, but I, I almost promise you it was very much present at the hospital ward. 
is very much present when you got let go from your job. The glimmers of God's glory was there when you got the diagnosis. And so I want to encourage you as your pastor, what I want for you is to live our cube. What I want most for you is that you recognize that God is with you, that he is for you, that he loves you, that he's given you glimmers of God's glory to the Old Testament, to the Israelites. He told them, I will show up for you. I will be a fire by night and a cloud by day. Does anyone need fire at night and cloud by day? How about electricity in January? God says, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not leaving you. And you're like, God, where have you been? If you're asking that question, it's not because he's hiding from you. It's because we don't often look. So where are you? That they might be with me where I am, that they might see my glory. I pray that you take time this year to look back on 2022 and see the glory of God. This prayer from Jesus in verse 25 goes on. Oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, Jesus says. And these know that you have sent me, these the church. I may know unto them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me might be in them the church and I be in them. That's my prayer for you in 2023 that you would receive the love of God, the grace of God, the glory of God, that you would receive it and be a conduit of it, that our vision as a church is a corporate reality of being a joy-filled community of faith that, that plants churches, but really it has a personal calling that you would live our cubed deepening with God, life-changing with other believers and engaging with the yet to believe. That was some of Jesus' last teaching to the disciples in John 15. It is his last prayer to the Father, make them one in this unity of vision are one, are two, and are three. And so I want to start 2023 to give you space to start with you. I want to give you space today, right now, and I'm not going to just give you a homework assignment because you'll get busy with the Niners game today, right? So I want to make space right now, as you are and where you are, to make space to just talk to the Spirit. Would you just take a moment? Would you open your hands on your lap? Would you just take a moment and sit? You're already sitting, so you're, you're halfway there, church. Would you just open your hands on your lap? Would you look at the picture behind me that Jesus says, this is what I want for you. I want you to be my disciple, deepening with God, life to other believers, engaging with it to believe. I want to create space right now because the truth of the matter is if we fail to plan, then we plan to fail. What is your plan to live our cube this year? Just talk to the Spirit. Spirit, what are you calling me into in an R1 reality? Spirit, what are you calling me into in an R2 reality? Spirit, what are you calling me into in an R3 reality? Zechariah has been heavy on my heart the last few months. Obviously, you know that because we talked about it as a church in our Christmas series. Zechariah 4.6, he says, it's only by my power, by the Spirit of God, that anything will happen. But later in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, he says, do not neglect or despise the day of small things. I want you right now to talk to the Spirit. Spirit, what are some small things you have for me in these three circles? And just ask him, here's my promise. When you ask him, he speaks. So just take a moment, listen to him. God, what are you inviting me into this year for the abundant Christian life? Let the spirit speak to you right now. Open your hands and receive.
is the spirit of God inviting you into with the Father? What's he inviting you into with his church, with his people, with his communitas that we call Vintage Grace? What's he inviting you into with the hope as Jesus prays for those who will believe in the future? Who in your life do you pray you would be sent to? church, may we not neglect the day of small things. I love when people ask me, Drew, what do you do for work? You only work one day a week, so what do you do? I follow Jesus. I pray that's your answer too. You might do it as a politician, you might do it as a teacher, maybe do it as a stay-at-home dad or as a nurse. My prayer is we see the focus of our life is on the glory of God, receiving it, being conduit of it. That literally, that's what every one of us does. Like our highest calling is our one. It's our one for a reason. It comes before our two and our three. That your calling is son or daughter of the king. Again, Southwest didn't call me for like leadership coaching, but if they did, I'd remind them that the best salesman's a satisfied customer. (laughs) But also don't sell out for the customer. Be focused on the king. Again, I don't know. All I do know is that Southwest employees were telling their bosses all along that we had some problems and some issues. The processes weren't working, weren't serving the people. I pray you're hearing from the king even right now that he's whispering to you, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Guys, the reason I'm so dang excited is because of my R1. It's me and Jesus. And I know what Jesus has done for me. He's changed my life. The best salesman, satisfied customer. I couldn't be more happy than I am in Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that I don't have issues still. It doesn't mean I don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that I don't have frustrations and angst, but it does mean that I have like prayers stickered all over my house. It does mean that I have alarms that go off on my phone. It does mean that that I'm a part of the prayer chain that goes off at 7 a.m. at Vintage Grace every day. Like we as a church staff and elders, we do everything we can to keep you focused on our one. And the truth of the matter is we get distracted too because there's so much dang white noise in the world. Is that true for anybody else or just me? Don't get distracted in 23. Start your day and your year getting off the throne of your heart, repenting and saying, God, that's your seat. I don't want it. I'm gonna stay focused on who you are and what you're inviting me into. Like John 15, I'm gonna abide, Spirit. Help me in my lack of belief. Help me to abide. My prayer for you on our two level is that that doesn't ever happen on a loan, that walking with Jesus is not an individual sport. It's a team sport that we need each other, that we need to tell each other our stories, that we need to sing songs to each other, that we need to be in a group because apart from other people in my life, I get distracted from what matters most. I settle for lesser joys. I climb back on the throne of my heart. We need each other. I love this. I read something earlier this week and it was someone talking about the church and she just said, I really felt like for the church, if I went to church, I'd get an epidural that would take my pain away. Now, I've never had a baby, but that sounds like a good deal, okay? So she says, mom, I just felt like if I would have gone to church, it would have taken my pain away. But then I recognized that the church is more intended to be a midwife, not an epidural. The midwife doesn't take your pain away. The midwife sits with you in your pain. And that they sit with you, it makes it better. Now, I know there's more complications to that reality. Church, I think the church only does that because Jesus did that, I hope. That Jesus comes with us and he sits with us in the midst of our pain. That he often doesn't take the pain away, which he could, but because he loves you, he allows you to sit in the gap so you get more of him. 
But my prayer is you recognize that you're not called to get him apart from everybody else. You're called to do it together. So may this year be full of R2 for you. May it also be full of R3. Guys, this last Christmas season for us as a church, we had over 2,100 people that came to our Christmas Eve services. Like that's cool if you're the guy that helped plant the church when the church was four and a half people. Right, my wife was pregnant when we moved here. So we were four and a half. There were 2,100 people, over 2,100 people. And that's cool, but can I just tell you honestly, it's not the 2,100 number that gets me excited. What gets me so excited is every service I met someone on one of your pray watch lists. Is that every service I met, there was someone that came to church that looked me in the eyes and said, Drew, I will never go to your church, but power to you to to plant it. I don't do church. And they were at Christmas Eve. (laughs) Like, how cool is that? So please hear me, the 2,100, woo! But the one, the one that came and heard the gospel, the one that got off the throne of their heart, the one that's in the journey, that you're living this out, there's nothing that brings me more joy because the glory of God is not just being experienced, it's being expressed. It's not just possessed, it's being shared and it's going out to your place because there's so many people in our town that will never come to church on a Sunday morning, but they're on your soccer team. They're in your classroom and they're getting Jesus from you. I love being the pastor here. I love watching the glory of God to you and through you. Not only that on an R2 level, but also on R3 level, that the reality is that that's our personal vision, that we would have this unified experience as the church, unified by the gospel. That's our big idea, Romans. We'll be back there next week. Living R cubed, R1, R2, R3. That's for all of us personally. But corporately, our vision is to build joy-filled communities of faith. This next quarter, I'm going to have the opportunity to be in, in Houston. I'm going to have the opportunity to be in Chicago. I'll be in, in Kansas City. I'll be in Southern California. In fact, it, it was interesting. I, I just saw on Facebook that Disciples Made Here series that you guys are living is now being multiplied in other churches. Jen shared that at the Christmas Eve video. People think I know everything that's going on around here. I don't. And so when Jen shared that Christmas Eve video, like I got emotional because what you're doing here, living our cube is making a difference there. Because when I go to these other places to teach or to coach, or when I invest in our family of churches, you know what I do over and over and over again? I tell your stories. I tell your stories of you being a missionary in your neighborhood. I tell your stories of you being a teacher for the glory of God, not for the paycheck. I tell your stories of how you engage as a contractor, as a mom or as a dad for his kingdom come, for his will to be done. See, my early calling in life in ministry was simply this. It was to evangelize the church. That was my calling. My calling was recognizing that I understood the joy of Jesus and I missed him in the church. And I wanted to be a part of a communitas that really believed there was more joy in Jesus. And now here I am eight, nine years later and I look at you and I know your stories and I go, man, that's what God's done here. Like you really believe there's more joy in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for fighting for your joy because I get to go tell your stories to other people and it's changing their communities too. It's bearing fruit. Now remember, apart from Christ, we bear no fruit. When he says, apart from you do nothing, he means nothing. But in Christ, I'm watching him bear fruit in incredible ways. And as we prepare as a church family, we're gonna be 10 years old next year. Like that's crazy. Come from the guy that still remembers moving here and not knowing anybody, being told by one of those early guys that I met, I'm never going to church, but yeah, but in nine years you are. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. He's doing a work. And we get a front row seat to it and it's bearing fruit, joy-filled communities of faith, plural. And so going into this year on my whiteboard in front of my desk, I have a goal for the year. It's to be bored. It's kind of hurtful that you'd laugh at me. 
By bored, I just mean that I'd rest in God, that I would abide, that I'd be faithful, that I wouldn't be stressed, that I'd be like, cool, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. It's okay, we're gonna follow our rabbi because there's more joy in Jesus than anything or anyone else this world has to offer. And it's so much fun and brings me so much joy to watch you do the same. And so my early calling in life was to evangelize the church. Now my primary calling in life is to evangelize senior pastors that their primary calling in life is to evangelize the church. And that starts with being a son or daughter of the king and then it goes to being a missionary. We're saved to be sent. Everyone in this room is a missionary church. Thank you for living out your faith. Thank you for being focused on the king, not by our power or by our strength, but by your spirit. We do not neglect the day of small things. Why? Because the living hope has come and he has overcome. Amen? So I want to invite you to stand as we close our Vision Sunday. We're going to close Vision Sunday with this, this proclamation of a song. Often when I sing songs on a Sunday morning, I'm singing sometimes in repentance, sometimes in celebration, sometimes in a preferred future. But today we sing this song because the living hope of the world has come and has overcome. We sing this song, not because there aren't gaps, not because there aren't darkness, but because Jesus is with us in the midst of the darkness. That he is working all things for his glory and for your good. That he is alive and that God is good. Church, would you continue to celebrate his glory and sing this with us now?